0: Good afternoon, welcome to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield and happy National Farmers Day. We want to get that in and thank all of the men and women out there for what they do every single day without uh, unfortunately maybe giving themselves the the breaks that they need. But we do truly appreciate what you do because it gives us something to talk about as Arlen Suderman is joining us today. He is with Stone X and Arlen, a lot of things kind of Factoring into today's market trade, including the fact that we did have a WASD report that came out.
1: Yeah, it certainly was. And this was an interesting WASD because it uh, not only do you look for your normal changes in production estimates and changes in exports and feed usage, et cetera, but there's a lot of other changes in this report as the USDA took the quarterly stocks numbers from September 30th, and the small green summary numbers from September 30th. Remember, there were a lot of surprises in those two reports, and they had to blend them into their supply and demand balance sheets as well. So that resulted in uh, a lot of movement on the balance sheets overall, uh, with a general trend toward maintaining or even increasing the tightness of supplies overall. With wheat, it didn't go quite as tight as what the trade was anticipated um, because USDA cut demand, I think, more significantly than what they can justify, um, both feed usage and, um, and export demand. But nonetheless, that's what USDA did. Those are the numbers we're going to see traded. Uh, but for corn and soybeans, you know, tight supplies and small crops continuing to get smaller.
0: As you look at, did you see any big surprises in the numbers today? Well,
1: I think probably the biggest one that caught the attention of the trade was the soybean yield. Soybean yield coming in below that magical 50-bushel range at 49.8 bushels per acre, that that matched the very lowest of the trade guesses coming into this report. And dropping below that 50-bushel mark psychologically was a big deal. Now, USDA was helped out by the fact that their stocks number on um, September 30th report had old crop ending stocks 34 million bushels higher than what was expected. And so that carried over to the beginning stocks of this year. But then they still had to cut exports by 40 million. They did bump crush by 10 million in order to hold ending stocks at 200 million. They really don't wanna go below that because that's kind of pipeline supplies that they wanna be able to maintain. They think the market will try to maintain. Uh, You know, and if this crop keeps getting smaller, uh, then we're gonna have more rationing is gonna have to be necessary. Longer term, I think they are going to be cutting uh, exports more on soybeans, but increasing crush, all depending on the size of this crop and of course the size of the South American crop.
0: So having said that, what is that going to do to the basis for our guys right now?
1: Well, basis really depends on where you're at. If you're along the river, basis is really crashing in many places because of the high barge freight rates. Uh, If you get away from the river, it really depends on what harvest is doing in your area and who the processors are. Uh, We're seeing Some corn bases, for example, that really started to break when the harvest started and now is rapidly coming back. A couple of reasons for that. First of all, especially west of the Mississippi River, we're looking at a production deficit. If you look at the major feedlot states, the production of corn, milo, and wheat in those states is down roughly a billion bushels this year. So while the yields may be better than some expected in some areas, it's still not enough. And based on USDA today, we're still getting smaller. And farmers generally are not in a position from a financial standpoint where they have to sell. So they're holding on. So we're seeing processors really starting to be concerned. Now, export demand is getting rationed. What's happening on the river combined with the strong dollar um, is rationing demand on the export side that's allowing domestic supply uh, consumers though to continue to pay up and to to battle for those bushels and and they're generally doing that we do have a few spots where we're seeing basis break pretty hard those are generally areas where the demand isn't quite as good and we're seeing um, Production a little better than expected, and that's breaking the basis in those areas. But it's highly variable across the Midwest.
0: So now that you've kind of had a chance, obviously, today, Arlen, to look at those numbers, will we see any more reaction in the overnight trade into tomorrow's day trade? Or was the WASDE report kind of a flash in the pan? And we've got some bigger things we need to look at.
1: Well, the Wall Street report is still significant, but unfortunately, I think this market is going to do what it's been doing and have a short memory and go back to trading headlines. It's been very headline sensitive lately. And by that, I mean what's happening in the Black Sea, what's happening in the economy. Tomorrow, uh, we get um, CPI numbers, consumer price index or inflation numbers that come out. If that has a big impact on the outside markets, that could become the driver. Longer term, it still has to manage supply and demand, but unfortunately, we've been doing more of the work of that with the cash market lately than what we've been doing with the board.
0: So looking at those CPI numbers, what should we do in preparation um, ahead of that to be ready for what could be an interesting information coming out?
1: Well, we saw with the producer price index numbers that uh, while the headline numbers aren't quite what they were last March, they're still too high. Uh, the outside markets handled it well today. As long as there's no new surprises in tomorrow's numbers, I think they'll continue to handle it well. But we're noticing the VIX, the fear index still staying high. So this is a market that's still very vulnerable to fear driving mon- money to the sideline again.
0: All right. Well, folks, stick around. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about those headlines that Arlen was just talking about. And obviously, barge freight numbers are jumping drastically, which means somebody's got to shop elsewhere. We'll take a look at that and a whole lot more as we continue with the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network.
1: Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Eric as part of the three-man crew for Peterson Livestock, based in Oxford, Nebraska. So, Eric used to be a district man for Fontenelle Hybrids. Now, as a dealer, tell us what makes Fontenelle stand out above other local seed brands. I think a lot of it, as far as what really makes Fontenelle stand out, is our product lineup, dealing with spare and what we get from a genetic lineup. In my area, it's a lot with. Was- Soybeans specifically, we've got a big issue with iron deficiency chlorosis, um, and we've got several different beans, different maturities that work extremely well going up and down the hills that um, we run into it in Furnace, Harlan County. So it's, it's really nice to have the depth of product selection that we have. For more on product selection, you can contact Eric Wasinius of Peterson Livestock based out of Oxford, Nebraska, or contact your local Fontenelle
0: dealer or go to
1: Fontenelle in the game of life.
0: Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. So in the first half, we were talking about those, those headlines, Arlen, that are really continuing to catch uh, folks' attention. And that has to be this ongoing risk with Ukraine.
1: Yeah, it really does. And that, that risk, I think, is increasing right now. We've certainly seen the war not go well for Russian President Putin, uh, both in Ukraine and back home, where the protests are really increasing. He's facing increasing domestic pressure for the war. The, the bodies are arriving home and the wounded are coming home and telling the story that they hadn't been hearing um, because Russia has been able to really control the reports and the news until this point. Um, Ukraine's been making big advances, and uh, over the weekend, last weekend, we had the major bridge that Russia built after it took control of Crimea in 2014 that connected Crimea and Russia, over which Russia was using to move troops and equipment. That was bombed, and so that really angered President Putin, so he struck out to start this week then with uh, cruise missiles and drones attacking sites all the way across ukraine trying to kill the spirit of the ukrainians he continues to talk about the possibility of nuclear uh warhead strikes now he probably won't do that but the very fact that it's almost on the daily uh news that uh, that's a possibility that uh, people worry that he just might not be thinking logically enough to do that has the markets concerned because Yeah, obviously, a nuclear strike would be devastating for people in the area. But it could also sterilize the ground and contaminate it, highly productive crop ground in the region, as well as any grain that may be stored in the region. So it could be a long-term detrimental thing. So even though the risk may be low, it's something that we have to worry about and the trade has to worry about. So headline risk is going to continue to be a factor. That includes Ukraine. That includes inflation. And and, and that's going to continue to affect this market.
0: And the barge tract effect, we've been talking about this for almost a week. It continues to back up along the Mississippi River. I'm sure those freight numbers are getting astronomical.
1: No, they really are. And as a result, we have some shippers that are switching to rail and that's pushed the rail freight up by $2,000 a car or so in some places. So it's it's not a good situation at all. It's the worst timing we could expect for it any time. We do continue to see them working aggressively, trying to uh, dredge out areas of the Mississippi, trying to deepen the channels, the channels that are going just one way in many places. So they have to wait for barges to come from the other direction. One gets grounded, then it can back up. In some cases, we've seen over 2,000 barges get backed up. So it's a real concern and a problem that is affecting us. And you add that to the strength of the dollar, it is hurting business. Uh, We've seen China over the past couple of weeks divert a lot of their purchases uh, to back to South America again. Now, we did have them purchase uh, 18, 19 million bushels of soybeans. That was reported this morning in the last 24 hours. Um, but a lot of their purchases, their purchases are from the United States are still well below what we'd normally expect for this time of year. And uh, so I think we're going to eventually, if if it keeps raining in Brazil, see that export target go down.
0: On the livestock side, could we see a push on this cattle market to add some pressure to to continue to try to move higher to get some profitability back?
1: Yeah, that is, you know, we're seeing some of that firmer cash this week. That's encouraging. Um, But overall, we are pushing with bigger slaughter rates and heavier weights. We are pushing the smaller numbers back further into 2023 than what we anticipated. We thought we would see the tightening numbers start this fall and get worse as we go into next year, uh, but we continue to kind of push that back a little bit. We still see it coming. We're still aggressively killing cows out there and reducing the size of the breeding herd. It's just a question of when is it going to hit, Probably not quite as early as what we thought.
0: And obviously, uh, continue to see the the basis and how that's changing, affecting the feedstuff purchases as they try to keep the feedlots as full as possible.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, we were seeing more wheat being fed um, than what USDA was seeming to indicate because of the lack of corn, simply because corn basis was so high when you're still buck fifty two dollars in the western feedlot belt for corn overs Um, there's not a lot of wheat in the plains but where they can they're finding it and they're feeding it but yet usda had to make their balance sheet work so they slashed wheat feeding in this report today
0: all right lots of great things we looked at what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you
1: StoneX.com. We're over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A R L A N F F
0: 101. Thanks so much. Arlen Suderman's been joining us today for the Fontenelle Final Bell. Lots of things that we talked about. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's got a lot of great information throughout the day. And as we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Borough Radio Network.